Hey, where is everybody? They must not have done their homework. You all did your homework, right? Malcolm did his homework. All right, very good. We are going to go to Revelation 12 pretty quickly. One thing I wanted to make note of as we're going to now really start into some of the details of Revelation, uh, the first verse of Revelation 1, 1 says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole point of this book is to reveal him. Now, we think we know him, and we do. We know him as our Savior and our Redeemer. But this book shows all of him, every bit of him. It shows him as not only uh, the king, but as the one who comes to defeat his enemies. And we're going to learn about that. And uh, some of it isn't pretty. But it's all true that what's going to happen, it's important to know the complete picture of Jesus Christ. So before we do Revelation 12, I want to go to Matthew and take a look at really the next major discourse in the Bible about the end times. So let's take a look, go to Matthew. We're probably all fairly familiar with this. Chapter 24. We're going to really take a look at most of this chapter. And this was, again, a response to a question, not a prayer. They weren't praying. Jesus was right in front of them. But Jesus had come out of the temple, uh, and he said to them in verse uh, 2, and he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will left, be left upon another which will not be torn down. This got their attention. The temple was massive. It was impressive. And he's saying, this thing's coming down. So they realized something was coming. And they asked him, uh, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Well, their question went well beyond the destruction of the temple. As we went back and we looked at Daniel 9, we know that the people of the prince who is to come destroyed the temple, right? We've already studied that. That happened in 70 A.D. Well, they went and said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, that goes well beyond where they were. So he begins to answer these questions. And it, it isn't all sequential. Sometimes he stops and goes back and starts at the beginning of these events. But we're going to read verses 4 through the end and see what we can compare now to Daniel 9. Because he refers to Daniel 9 himself. Verse 4 begins, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for these, those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in the house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or, or on the Sabbath. For, the, for then there will be a great tribulation, such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from the one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he, he, is right, he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. <clears throat> Do we see something here in, in verse 15 that's familiar to us? And we do. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through the Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. He has brought us back in this discourse to the middle of this time period, right here. He's telling us this is an important event. And what does he say next? He says, go. Those who are in Judea, get out. Somebody's fleeing, and these are the Jewish people. He's talking to his people. Again, we're not in view yet. We're still, we're still before the revelation of the rapture and even the church, and he's saying to Israel, when you see this event, get out. All right? So it's very important to understand that now we've got two confirmations of this, this period of time, Daniel and also Jesus himself telling us what's going to happen at the middle of this period of tribulation. <clears throat> Verses 4 through 8 also give us some detail. He calls them birth pangs. Stuff starts to happen, but he says, 
this isn't the end. We do start to see famine. We start to see uh, you know, wars, rumors of wars. People are dying, but it isn't the judgment yet. These are the beginnings of the time period that will end in actually God's judgments. So he's saying, be careful. Don't think it's happening quite yet when you start to see these things. And then he focuses them on that middle period and says, when this happens, when the Antichrist desecrates the temple, this is when I'm telling you, as Israel, you're to flee. Now, let's look at Revelation 12. Why are we starting in Revelation 12? Why don't we start at the beginning and just go sequentially through the book? Well, this book is not all sequential. It's complicated, and there are things in this book that do also come back and retell the story of other events. This chapter is one of those things. If you look at chapter 12, okay, what this is is a symbolic representation of the history of Israel. It isn't just the future. There is actually a recounting of the past if we look at this. Before we go there, though, a word about symbolism. Okay? One of the things that you'll find trips people up or helps them to avoid discussing the book of Revelation is they'll say things like, it's a bunch of symbols, we don't really know what it means, it's too hard to understand, and they kind of you know, write it off or, or will tell you that it means something very obscure. Well, let's talk about symbolism for a minute. If you look at Revelation 12, okay, and we start reading it, I think it's going to be clear. These are symbols, okay? The woman isn't a real woman. She's not, okay? She represents Israel. The dragon is Satan. In fact, it says that later. There's other things in here. So this is a symbolic it's called a sign, but it's a symbolic narrative designed to tell very specific things about Israel. Now, that's symbolism. We understand it to be symbolism, and I would contend that we are going to really determine what this means, and it's not going to be obscure. Okay, let's compare that to, say, take a look at just a random verse. We're going to get to it later, but Revelation 8-7. This is a, a verse that will come up in our discussion later about the judgments on earth, all right? Revelation 8, 7. This is one of the trumpet judgments. The first trumpet st uh, struck. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned up. Is this symbolism? No. It's not symbolism. It's outrageous to think that this could happen and uh, I, it's scary but you cannot look at this and say that's symbolic of something else it is basically telling you this is what's going to happen uh, for this judgment now that may seem kind of basic to you but believe me people get tripped up on this and they confuse the two and they try to say something is symbolism when it isn't and then you know the obvious symbolism they may distort as well so just that little side note on symbolism. So let's like, take a look at Revelation 12. <clears throat> and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the, moon and, the un and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child 
and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to, earth, to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And when she gave birth, and she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and the angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth. And the angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you having a great wrath, knowing that he has a only, only a short time. And when the dragon saw that, that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went off to make war with the rest of her children who kept, keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So we're seeing some numbers again, aren't we? some very important numbers. And these numbers we've seen before. So now we look at something critical that happens in the, in the history of Israel, because I think it's pretty obvious to us, the woman is Israel. We know who rules the nations with a rod of iron. That's Jesus Christ. So the child that the dragon was trying to kill is Jesus. And he's, ca he's caught up to his throne. So Jesus is in heaven, right? Right where he is right now. What's the next thing we see? Chapter, verse 6. The very next thing. The woman fled into the wilderness. Now what did Jesus just say is supposed to happen at the end when the abomination of desolation occurs? Flee. Go to the mountains. Okay? And when is that time? It's in the middle of the seven years. Well, how much time is after the middle? Three and a half years, 1,260 days, time, times, and half a time. That's one year, two years, half a year. God's like saying, if you didn't get it this way, you're going to get it that way. It's very clear where we are. So let's appreciate that. Where are we? This is Israel being sent to the wilderness right when the abomination of desolation occurs. So there they go. Now, She's nourished 
in the wilderness and taken care of by God. This is a special place for the nation of Israel, who God is supernaturally protecting. And, you know, there are other places in Scripture, and we're not going to go to them tonight, that talks about God's protection of Israel definitively himself at the time of the end. Well, the dragon is Satan. He's unhappy. All right? Now, why is he unhappy? Well, first of all, the first time he gets thrown down at the beginning of chapter 12, I believe, is the fall of Satan, when Satan is initially taken to the level that he's at now, and he's thrown down uh, as a fallen angel. But then he's thrown down again, and his access to heaven, he has access to heaven right now. He can only accuse us because he has access. The accuser of the brethren only can accuse you before God because God is allowing him to be there. It's over. He doesn't get to be there anymore. And he's thrown out of access to heaven, and it says he knows, I find this almost humorous, he knows he only has a short time. Satan must read scripture pretty well. He knows. Now, I believe because of his wickedness and his deception and his lying, he somehow thinks he can still change things. Otherwise, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for him to keep going. But he knows, I better get moving. So what does he do? He goes off to make war against the rest of her children. The rest meaning the ones who God isn't protecting in the wilderness. And it doesn't say exactly who that is. But you would think perhaps that means tribulation saints, Gentiles who come to faith during the tribulation, who aren't being protected in the wilderness. So it's all symbols, but it seems pretty clear if you take the 1260 days and the time, times, and half a time where we are and what this is intended to show us. So, armed with that, now, just so we comprehensive, oh, uh, important point, the gap. We talked about the gap before. Remember, we talked about how in Daniel, all of a sudden, Jesus is taken, uh, he's killed, he's cut off, and then the very next thing we see is uh, the prince makes the covenant, right? We talked about the time of the Gentiles. Well, there's a similar gap right here in, in chapter 12. After verse 5, when Christ is taken up to heaven, the very next thing happens is we see the woman going to the wilderness. Well, a lot is going on between Christ returning to heaven and the woman going to the wilderness, that's now. All this time, it's again the time of the Gentiles when we're the beneficiary of salvation. So that similar gap has to be between verses 5 and 6. Let's take a look at some other places just to lock in this, this period of time of the Great Tribulation. Daniel 7.25, if you would turn there. <coughs> Daniel 7.25 gives some more figurative language about uh, events of this time. But the point I want to make is in verse 25, where it's talking about the Antichrist, and it says, He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for time, times, and half a time. Right? 
we're back to that three and a half year period. Now let's take a look at Daniel 12, 7. Again, we're talking about the time of the end. And it says in 12, 7, Daniel was asking how long these events will take. And he said, I heard the man dressed in linen was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for time, times, and half a time. Revelation 11.3. We're going to talk later about these two witnesses, but it's interesting. Uh, one of the uh, issues here involves the nations being able to trample the holy city. And in verse 2, it says, Leave out the court which is outside the temple. As I said, the court where uh, the Gentiles are right now has the Dome of the Rock Mosque. It says, Do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations, and they will tread under the foot of the holy city for 42 months. Now we have another way to talk about time, times, and half a times, and 1,260 days, 42 months, same period of time. Next verse, and I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. The very next verse, the same period of time. And Revelation 13.5. This we'll discuss. Talks about some of the details of the Antichrist. And it says his authority is limited. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Again, we're back to that period of time. So it's, it's really unmistakable where we are when, we, when we're looking at uh, the Great Tribulation and the, the duration of it. One other reference, though, is more challenging. Not talked about a lot, but let's take a look at Daniel 12, which talks about this same period of time in the last few verses. <clears throat> Starting at verse 11. Read this with me. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up. Hey, we know right where we are, don't we? There we go again, right in the middle. From that time, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, speaking to Daniel, go your way to the end. You will enter into your rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. This is the first time and only time we see these two numbers, all right? Now, it's clear that we're talking about the 1260-day period, but we've added, God has added 30 days. Then he's added 45 days. I don't know for sure why. This is one area where if you read, uh, some speculation is given that because of the transition from the tribulation and the massive death and the carnage and the change in the topography of the earth to usher in the millennial kingdom, there's a transition period. And it would make sense because it's blessed is he who makes it to the 1335 days. These are talking about living people on the earth. 
Now, if you don't make it to the 1,335 days, it's not good for you because you've been taken in judgment. You're one of the living. This is, again, to Israel. He's talking to Israel, and he's saying, you want to make it to the 1,335. If you don't make it to the 1,335, uh, something bad has happened, and it's, it's likely that this is a transition period from the tribulation, Armageddon, into the millennial kingdom. But again, there's no mistaking where we are on that calendar. We just have uh, essentially you know, 75 days that aren't fully explained to us. That's okay. I mean, we've now been drilled into this time period, so to say that we don't understand these 75 days certainly isn't reason to throw out all we do know. And, and there are people that'll, that'll, that'll try to do that. But it's there. You need to be aware of it. Okay? This is part of you know, some of the challenges we face. Again, when does the entire seven years start? Well, we know it started with the covenant, with the Antichrist, with the many people. Switch over to another, another facet of this. It's very important, and it relates to the first uh, point that I really made was uh, that Daniel was praying about his people, and this was directed to Israel. What is the primary purpose of the tribulation? Why is it? Why is it occurring? Take a look at Jeremiah 30, 5 through 7. For the for thus says the Lord, I have heard a sound of terror, of dread, and there is no peace. Ask now and see if a male child can give birth. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in childbirth? And why have all their faces turned pale? Alas, for the day is great. There is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress. But he will be saved from it. This has also been referred to as a time of Jacob's trouble. It is directed to do something very specific with the nation of Israel. Let's look at Zechariah 12. Starting in verse 8, in that day, and we're again at the, day of, at the day of the end, in that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We just saw that, didn't we? He's going to actually defend Israel. The Lord will do it. He will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Let me get back to where it was. And the one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. And in that day I will set about to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I will pour out on the house of David and the, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. That's the purpose of the tribulation. That's it. The primary purpose of the tribulation 
is to bring Israel to their Messiah. Zechariah 13, 8 through 9. And it will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left. And I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. Now, we're familiar with um, uh, Romans 9, 6, Romans 11, uh, 25, and 26, and we'll go there in a minute to just lock that in. But the idea that just because you're born a Jew didn't make you uh, a believing Jew, right? Just like, makes sense, you're born into a Christian family, you need to believe. Well, Judaism by descendant didn't mean uh, that you were spiritual Israel, all right? And what it's possible that what we're here, what we're seeing here, is the refining of the nation of Israel and the bringing forth of those that are truly going to the millennium. Two thirds, one third, right? Does this make sense? Well, now go back to Matthew, and we read about the people being taken and people being left, right? Now I've heard people talk uh, in years past. Well, this is the rapture. I say it can't be the rapture. The rapture is a mystery revealed by Paul. Taken and left are terms of judgment. The people left are Israel, and they are the one-third that get to go into the millennial kingdom. So what we're seeing here is God dealing with the nation of Israel and saving true Israel. Saving true Israel makes more sense when you see Romans 9, 6. Let's just go there real quick. Romans 9, 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Again, this concept that just because they're descendants doesn't mean God views them as spiritual Israel. And Romans 11, 25, and 26. For I do not want you to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened until, to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We've looked at this verse this morning for another purpose to, to establish the time of the Gentiles. But verse 26, And so all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Well, we know all Israel is not descendants of Israel. So by implication, it would seem we're talking about the one-third and the two-thirds of those people. Does it make sense? I think it makes sense. So stop for a minute. In the, in the course of history, where are these people right now? Where, where are these, these people of the, of the nation of Israel? Uh, we've, we've now, they fled, okay? And they've gone to a place where God is protecting them. So what are they waiting for? They're waiting for really two things. 
the return of Christ, their Messiah, to determine which of them are truly his, and then the millennial kingdom, their millennial kingdom that has been promised to them and that will take place, the, the, the thousand years. That's the primary purpose of the tribulation. There is another one mentioned. Take a look at Revelation 3.10. It's important to see this. Talking to the faithful church in Philadelphia, which we're going to talk about again when we talk about the rapture. But it says, because you have kept the word of my per perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is to come upon the whole earth, whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. It's also a testing of all peoples. It's a fisher cut bait moment, not just for Israel, but there are going to be also, just like today, some Jews are being saved. There will be Gentiles being saved, even though it will be much more difficult. Tribulation saints, it will be much harder to believe when you're your head's going to get chopped off if you, if you confess Christ or you don't take the Antichrist system. So it's a time of testing of the whole earth. So we now have, I believe, the framework of Daniel, of Revelation 12, and now we have some things that need to be filled in. What are they? Well, as we talked about, we need to talk about the place of the church and in particular the rapture. That's a mystery we need to, to, to delve into. We need some more details about the Antichrist and his false prophet. There's two people working together that are coming. What are the specific events of the tribulation? And then specific events after the tribulation. We have, obviously, the return of Christ and the defeat of his enemies. And then the thousand-year reign, which we've established, God promised to the Jews, where we will reign with Christ on earth. After the thousand years is the great white throne judgment. Now, we've talked about the judgment seat of Christ. That's our evaluation, not the great white throne judgment. Different judgment. That's the judgment of those who are going to the lake of fire. Then we have the destruction of the existing earth and the universe after the, the millennial kingdom. Uh, one final rebellion by Satan occurs right before that. And then we have the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. Now... That's all up there, the 1,000 years, the destruction, and Revelation 21 and 22 both talk about the lake of fire and also the new heaven and the new earth. So those are the things that come after this period of time, and they do relate to us because we're going to be very involved in them. So let's flip over and talk about the rapture. The, the, the primary verses we need to look at would be 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 57, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, and 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, 51 through 57. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not 
all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable shall have put on the imperishable, and the mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? And O death, where is your sting? The sting of sin, death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as those, the rest, who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's to be comforting. First Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. For they themselves report about what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven who raised, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Clearly, the rapture is an event Daniel did not have in mind. It was revealed by Paul. And it also is clear that it, to, it is to rescue us from the wrath to come. As you look at the references to the rapture and you compare them to the references of the return of Christ in Matthew 24 and in Revelation and in Daniel that involve judgment, nowhere in these verses do we see anything remotely related to judgment. We don't see a judging, we see a rescuing. Okay, a rescuing out. We talked a little bit about the, the church at uh, Philadelphia. That's another verse that really supports the idea that this isn't for us. We don't need the tribulation to bring us to God. The non-believing Jews need it, but we believe. So what does he say to the, church, the faithful church in Philadelphia in chapter 3 of Revelation? Going back there, he says, I will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is to come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, this promise was to a particular church, but as you study the churches, these also reflect all churches throughout the church age, the good and the bad. And the faithful who continue to the end are all going to be recipients of this same rapture. We're all going to be raptured uh, at the same time. And so the idea here is that 
these people were not going to experience the wrath that is to come. And we've talked about that period of time. We'll be talking about some details on it, but it's obvious that, that, that it is not a time intended for us. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. And if you understand the context of what it is designed to do, it does really make sense. There's logic to it. There's a lot of logic to it. See, there's one other. Yes, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Let's take a look at that one as it relates to the rapture. Back in the church, you know, the, the New Testament church, there was some fear, okay, around. There were people, there were false teachers telling some people at the time that the day of the Lord had already come, that they, had, that they were in it, or that they had, had missed the return of Christ. That lie was being perpetrated, and some of the writings about the rapture were designed to comfort people who had been listening to lies. If you look at... Uh, 5, 1 through 11, it's talking about people that are concerned about whether they're going to have to go through all this, the tribulation. Also, uh, here it's referred to as the day of the Lord. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. The suddenness of this. When Christ when the tribulation occurs at the end and Christ returns, it will be sudden to those people on the earth. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk at, drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, Putting on, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build up one another, just as you are doing. It, it was to be a, a word of encouragement. You are not children of wrath. You are not designed to go through these, these times. I think what we'll do um, is we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we're probably going to have a couple, maybe one or two Wednesday nights, and, and the next uh, areas that we're going to get into are some of the specific details about the Antichrist and the false prophet, as well as the, all these judgments events, all the judgment events during the time of the tribulation. They're very specific, and they're you know, quite sobering, and... Um, it's important to learn about them to warn people. We're not going to be here for these, but I think people need to know, and it's important for us to understand the context of these judgments. So uh, as we have time and can schedule some, some uh, additional sessions, we'll do that and then go right to the events after the tribulation and some other uh, details that we'll be able to fill in. So we'll go ahead and uh, close in prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you for uh, your revealing of the the future to us, that uh, you counted us uh, your friends to tell us that uh, the things that you're going to do, and we just uh, praise you that we can study it. I 
ask that you would help us to be diligent to uh, learn the truth, Lord, and most of all, be, be doers of the word, Lord, and not hearers only. And we just praise you and thank you uh, that we can do this and, and know you better. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.